0: The Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Revelation 21 verse 5b says, Behold, I am making all things new. Hey Moderner Church. Uh, greetings from Jenny and I, we just sort of gutted we couldn't be here today. Um, we'd actually planned that today was to be the dramatic finale to our series in Revelation. And, uh, you know, it just seems a, a bit of a twist and, uh, of irony that it's, uh, we're talking about things being made new as I was testing positive for COVID. <laughs> Instead of the, you know, exciting finish that we were hoping to have in person, we have resorted to the wonderful technology that we have now to bring these concluding thoughts. But as we all know, the Word of God is faithful and true. And nothing on earth can hinder the return of the King of Kings and alter the truth of His Word. So that's something we can really rejoice in today praise god for the book of revelation despite the different ways that people react and interpret the many symbols word pictures and prophecies one overwhelming fact remains jesus desire is to be with his faithful bride that's us forever we, uh, we began this series a few weeks ago by saying <clears throat> that we need to remember that the purpose of this book was to reveal Jesus. Uh, that's the first line of revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's not so much about the when and the where, but the who. And he is the who. Hand in hand with that, it's, uh, it's the Why? which is God's desire to dwell with us and that none should perish. Our response, you know, our our reaction, uh, decision to honour and worship him, despite all the opposition and things that come our way in this life, they do form the basis of that why question. Really, it's about remaining faithful and worshipping jesus until we're brought into the very presence of the lord forever so as we wrap up the final chapters from 19 to 22 it's important i think to read them all in one sitting and i'd encourage you to do just that you know in in medieval times this vision of john's was broken up into chapters and verses and As helpful as that is, we potentially miss the final truth of the purpose and intention of God by breaking up the story. In the case of these four chapters, reading what's written in order is good exegesis, I believe, and it puts the return of Christ before his 1,000-year reign on earth, along with a showdown very big showdown with lots of blood that destroys the world armies. And we read where he returns to judge and wage war in Revelation 19.11. Before the capture and binding of Satan for the thousand years. The beast and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Leaving the world void of governance. Which enables Jesus himself to take up rule on the earth along with those martyrs and faithful ones who didn't bow the knee to the, to the beast. These are those who are raised in the first resurrection, Revelation 20 verse 6. Revelation doesn't record much more about these thousand years, but other portions of scripture indicate fairly clearly that it's a time of peace, of restoration and of unity. At the end of the thousand years, uh, Satan is released for a time in order to deceive the nations in 20 verse 8. And despite a large army gathering to wage war against the saints, the armies are burned up by fire, verse 9, and Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire. Following this, everyone faces the white throne of judgment. Where the deciding line is whether our names are in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are not found there, join those in the lake of fire. Verse 15. Whoa. These are not my words, but the word of God. If you're hearing these words today, I'd say consider yourself and I consider myself blessed. We who believe are and are in Christ, we're free uh, to enter his presence from this moment on. But there will be many who do not. In our you know, modern, politically correct, inclusive culture, uh, these are harsh words to swallow. Many will reject this teaching and discover perhaps too late that they chose wrongly. And it's really into this setting, after all these things, that today's key verse is set. The whole focus shifts from earth to new beginnings. The first heaven and earth are replaced with a new heaven and earth. This is what Jesus said. He was preparing for us who love Him in John 14, verse 2 and 3. It reads, In my Father's house are many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wonderful words. These two verses actually. Answer the why question on so many heavy hearts Uh, in today's sin-drenched world where many are just desperately wondering why. And uh, when is justice going to happen for me? So let's read Revelation 21 verses 1 to 8 and just pick up the story from this moment on the new heaven and earth. Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Hallelujah. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. If that's you today, he wants to... Quench every thirst you have in your soul today, every need. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son/slash daughter. But for the cowardly, this is the warning for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderous and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Whoa. <laughs> so you know my challenge today really the takeaway from today is let's let's tell people now while we can to get their lives right to come to Jesus. Ask Him to be Lord and Savior of their lives. But maybe that starts with a conversation and with listening and being with people who don't know Him. Just hanging out, befriending. And, you know, let's tell people about the mercy and the grace that's available now, this time of grace that enables us to choose right now. You know, salvation is so wonderful. It really is and it's, uh, and it's for all eternity. It's so wonderful that we should really be just shouting it from the hill, hilltops, from the rooftops, I guess, is a saying. But perhaps a, a, a more practical way to start is just bring Jesus into your conversations. You know, the first 50 words on our lips before we, when we talk to people often indicate where we're at, eh? So bring Jesus into your world, into your realm this week. Uh, rejoice in your salvation. And be glad in Him and um, know that all things will be made new in Him in His good time. Jeremy's going to unpack that a little bit more right now and uh, just wind this up for us today. But let's uh, let's be encouraging. Let's encourage one another uh, that um, there is hope. Uh,
1: that jesus wins amen well there you are murray was really hoping for an exciting grand finale and you got me oh well them's the break. Say, so. yeah you can handle it you've had you have before all right well let's have a bit of a look have we, have we got the slideshow there and i'm i'm really bad at clicking this by accident so the slides might go really fast have you got something up there yep there we are so who's this The rider on the white horse, an enormous battle happens where the rider, called faithful and true, defeats God's enemies and their armies. I've got a few slides here. I wasn't sure quite where Murray would cut out and I'd come in. And this thing here is called the great white throne judgment. Uh, There's a great judgment where the books are opened and every person is judged according to what he has done. A lot of Christians, a lot of evangelicals are surely not, Jeremy, surely not. Jesus, however, describes this in Matthew chapter 5 from verse 31 on, where he says, we will be judged by what we have done. That's pretty important, isn't it? Even if it doesn't fit your theories. Now, Murray's read out these parts of the Bible, but I do want to show you something in the next slide, which is an interesting one. Your Bible might say something a little bit different. It says, for the old order of things has passed away. In the King James Version it said the former things have passed away. It might say in your version the old things have gone and everything's new. Something like that. Quite quite challenging to translate because what exactly does that word new really mean? And By the way, also in this paragraph it says God's dwelling place. Oh, I should go back a bit. Whoops, there we are. It says... Uh, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Listen to this. Uh, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Now, Christians like to argue about many things. One is this. Do we go to heaven... Or, so so, you know, when Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you, or do the meek inherit the earth, as Jesus said? Which one? Christians divide about it, don't they? And our dear friends at the Jehovah's Witnesses give you a book that says, you can live forever on paradise earth. And if you're an evangelical, you might say, oh, that's not right. That's not right. But God's going to make a new earth. Does anyone get to live there? Well, there's a good question, isn't it? So what actually happens is this, and it's, it's clearly in the scripture right there. It says the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, this amazing place which is described in detail that I can't tell you today, comes down from heaven, and God makes us home where? With his people. So the argument's dumb, isn't it? Do we go to heaven? Well, actually, heaven comes to us. We end up living in heaven on earth, and that's the way I suspect it was meant to be right from the start. Let's have a bit of a look at the next one. It says... He who is seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." This wonderful new, uh, this wonderful new world that is coming, was that a new idea? No, it wasn't, because every Bible student knew when this was said, that God had already promised this. 700 years before, Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah 65. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his years. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them, says the Lord. How different that was to the way the people were living when Isaiah was writing. What a change! What a new scene he was painting for them. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. What does that mean? I think it's important to know. So I'm going to tell you a bit today. But before I even say anything at all, I'll say that to deliver a sermon this way is something I have never done before. It's quite novel, isn't it? To have somebody on the screen, suddenly he stops and then somebody who's here takes over. It's new, isn't it? Now, we have a new sermon every week, but this week, this is quite novel. What word did I use? Novel's a good word. I've been thinking about it since after I wrote the slide, so it doesn't come on the slide. But novel is the kind of new that the Bible is talking about. Let's have a look at something here. What is this? It's a new house. How do we know it's new? Because it wasn't there last month. It's still being built. This house is neos, and neos is the Greek word for new. It's a new house. This house is also new. It's neos because it wasn't there last year, but it's also kinos because it's a totally new kind of house. Does anybody know how it's made? Luca would know. He does, doesn't he? getting a nice smile there. It's made with a 3D printer. You see, that house is being built on the screen right there. And what happens is, have you seen a 3D printer making those little bits of, you know, putting the plastic around? This 3D printer is rather larger, and it uses concrete instead. So look how accurate it can be. The computer just tells it, it puts the concrete out, the concrete dries, and bingo, your house. This, I believe, could well change the way that we see housing built. So this house is Kynos, and it's defined like this. It's new in quality. It's fresh in development. It's... Uh, or opportunity, because it's not found exactly like that before. I've blocked my own words out there. And that word kainos and its derivatives are the words that are used for the new world. It's not just another world. It's not just another sermon. It's not just another house. This house is really new. It's a new way of building a house. That word in Greek would be kainos. It's novel like this sermon. Let's have a look at Ezekiel 37. Something new and fresh but recognizable Ezekiel's in a valley full of bones Do you remember this story? He speaks to the bones and an amazing army comes up Right in front of his eyes Is it a new idea to have an army? No Was it a new idea to make it that way? Yes It was kynos It was novel Most armies don't start from piles of bones Let's have a look at this This is Saul of Damascus, and Saul on the road, and uh, an amazing thing happened in Paul. Saul changed his name to Paul, of course. Now, after this happened, he was a totally changed man. In fact, he said himself, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But they didn't bury him, did they? They didn't pass him away. He didn't pass away that way. He wasn't physically born again. What happened with Paul was he was kynos, or kynos. Kind of, they're the derivatives. There are other words that are very similar. And, the, and he says that's, that's a, a, the person is new. The situation is new. Now, if you'd met Paul after that, his mates still recognized him, but they kind of said, what's happened to him? The Christians were still scared of him because he still like, looked like Paul, and they knew that he loved to kill Christians. But nonetheless, Saul said, Paul said, he's a new man, a new creation. And that's what it means. In fact, in the New Living Translation, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. The new has come. Now, all of those scriptures I've just read to you, they don't have Neo in them, like the new house. They have Kainos, like the totally new kind of never seen before house. See, God wants to make us new, like, just like he did Saul, a new creation. We'll still be us. We'll still recognize each other. He doesn't destroy us because we'll be Kinos new. Jackie Pullinger tells the story of a man in Hong Kong who was walking down the street. He was a Christian and had been for a little while. And a former acquaintance came up to him and said, how come you're so fat? He said, because I follow Jesus. And the man said, I want to follow Jesus too, because he knew. That if somebody starts to put on a little bit of weight, it proves they have got free from the drug habit that has controlled their life. When he realized his friend had put some weight on, he knew he had got free and he wanted to meet Jesus too. You see, he still recognized him. It's still his mate. But he also recognized that something Kainos has happened here. He's a new man. And God wants to make the earth new too, Kainos. Will everything on earth be destroyed and forgotten? You see, Murray has talked about his generation growing up where they said, well, look, the end of the world is coming so soon It really it's not much point in planning for the future in gaining high level skills in building things because the world's all going to blow up anyway. And he actually describes that as something that quite defined his generation. I'm about Murray's age, but I don't remember that in my circle. But Murray says, now, if we'd known, if we'd thought about it, we would have taken more care for the environment. We would have built more for the future. Now, I'm going to chuck an idea in here, see what you think. Yes, I think I, – oh, sorry. I don't think that the Bible clearly teaches that the world is going to be totally destroyed and forgotten. People who have visited heaven, and there are a few, they report beautiful music that they have never heard before, and they report hearing beautiful music that they have heard before on earth. Some scholars believe that some of the most beautiful art, music, and architecture on earth will endure into the new earth, and many of the beautiful features of God's creation too. What do you think? Will roses be there? Tui? Meerkats? Milford Sound? We have a creative God? You know, this new world, will it have some of the things that he and we love so much? Lots of Christians have not given up on the original job that God gave to Adam and Eve to care for the planet. Lots of Christians still put time into raising a godly family and making beautiful and useful things. And for now, those are good things to do. And they are fulfilling for us because we were designed to do them. So long as we don't start worshipping the creation instead of the creator, like some people do, The Bible warns us about that. But those of us who've studied Revelation or watched the news know that there have been and there are and there will be terrible times of great suffering, destruction and death. When we see this, we must remember that God told us it was going to happen. It is happening now. And what he said will happen after this will happen too. We know how it ends. And we know that the wonderful new heaven and earth is planned for us. We're at the end of this series on Revelation, and you might be saying to yourself, lots of bits of Revelation have been left out. What about the rebuilding of the temple? How can we tell who is the Antichrist? What about the restoration of modern Israel? Where does Russia fit? Where are we up to in the story? Isn't the when and where important too? Shouldn't we know more so we could recognize what's going on in the world? Yes, we should. We should. Jesus makes that very clear, and he has a lot to say about it, and Mark chapter 13 is a good place to start. Of course, lots has been left out. This was a one-month series, and so we could only deal with parts of what is a powerful and quite complex book. Maybe we left out some of your favorite bits. But if it got you thinking, or curious, or worried, or grumpy, that's a good start. Who here has made an in-depth study of Revelation and end-time events. Have a look around. Come on, guys. All right? Now, what I want you to do is look at those people, because I want to tell you this. If you want to know more about this, talk to those people, because for them, most of them, it's a passion. They love it, and they can guide you to resources, books, wonderful stuff on the Internet. I think it's well worthy of your time and attention to look at the things we haven't had time to talk about in Revelation and actually I'll tell you a good start you could read it (laughs) the Bible actually promises a blessing to people who do but while you're finding out all about end time events and the revelation and everything else let's not get grumpy and argue about it because pride and division are not good Murray right at the beginning said one of our most important things is is unity and we're not always going to agree on all the details so there we are I challenge you don't stop here keep going Read some more Revelation. Think about it. And if it piques your interest, talk to some of the people who put their hand up. They probably know more about it than Mark Murray and me put together. Goodness knows why we're up here talking. No, they don't. All right. Thanks, Anna. That was a very tactful thing to say. All right. All right. You know what I'm going to do? This is the end of the series, which Murray was hoping for a grand finale, but I'm just going to say something from Jesus. Is that cool? Of course it is. Jesus is. This is great. This is what Jesus says. This from Mark thirteen. The sun will be darkened where the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, ngā far to the ends of the heavens. Because whatever happens, the Lord is taking us home. Gauri. Thanks for
0: listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com